You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. But here as we look at this passage of scripture tonight, uh, we are going to be looking at some things. I am looking down and all of a sudden my notes just changed. All right, don't you love it when that happens? Okay, I am not sure what happened, but a bunch of my message is gone. Wonderful, that's why my wife likes pen and paper. Uh, But here as we look at uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, we're going to start tonight a series that we'll be doing here on a Wednesday evening and, and with that, as we look at uh, the Word of God and the Christian life, we find that there are a lot of questions. You know, questions are something that we all have. And it doesn't matter what place we are coming from. There are people that are coming uh, into the church uh, from the world and everything is new and it's just question after question and, and you would, you would, it's just sort of, ex- it's exciting to see new believers uh, as they ask those questions. And then uh, there, there are people that have been raised in church and uh, everything has sort of been laid out for them. Somebody else made all of the hard decisions already, and they sort of just fell in line with what was presented to them. And as you're raising your children, that's what you're doing as parents. You are setting them up for what you believe is going to be the best for them. And, and so with that, though, uh, even the, the kids that are growing up in church and they have been in church their entire lives, uh, pretty soon there comes a point where they start questioning everything that they've been around. We live in a world where everything is subjective. And one of the reasons our world is in so much turmoil is because they have removed authority. There are no absolutes. And when you remove the absolutes, now... Who is to determine what is right or wrong? You remove God from the equation, and then who's to say what is right or wrong other than the individual of what they think is right or wrong? But even then, when you look at the Bible, there are a lot of different interpretations of the same Bible. And we can leave all the other denominations out. We can leave uh, those that are uh, in a different uh, style of ministry, even within uh, churches that have the same Bible that we would use. The King James Bible uh, would have a ministry similar to what we have. Uh, there There are many different ideologies of what is and what should be. Was it just me, or did those those lights just blink? All right, where's Brother Gatlin at? That's not supposed to happen. Uh, So uh, anyway, uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of uncertainties. There are a lot of questions. When we first came, uh, 2010. Uh, the Lord moved us down here. As we, we moved here uh, on a, uh, one of the first Sundays, where's Brother Rick at? He's, he's out in the parking lot having a smoke or something. Uh, 
Uh, no, but uh, uh, our auditorium seats just under 300 people, and the, uh, this, this auditorium was packed full uh, of chairs. I think the first week, second week, I took out 75 or 100 chairs, and then we roped off the last five rows, maybe six rows, Brother Andy, do you remember? Uh, it was about right in there. And so uh, we, would, we would, on a Sunday morning, we'd have about 30 people in here. And, and so after a few weeks, uh, I got up and I preached, and it was the service. I changed the order of service. And as I changed the order of service around a little bit, we had our uh, opening congregational and then uh, greeting prayer, uh, sat down. And so anyway, uh, Brother Ludwig, I believe, was the one that was leading the singing at that point. And so uh, we had everybody seated. And so here I am, new pastor. Brother Ludwig announces the song, and it wasn't Stand Up for Jesus. It was just another hymn. Uh, and so in that service, uh, we've all seen lights blink. Uh, so anyway, during that service, uh, we had everybody seated. Brother Ludwig gets up to sing, and he has everybody seated. And then Miss Sandra looks around and says, we always stand on this song. And here she is on the third row, and she stands up. So here I am, a new pastor. I'm seated, and... Brother Ludwig is leading the singing. It's like, everybody's like, oh no, what do we do? And I just remained seated and singing along. And uh, some people stood up because they weren't sure about their loyalties. Oh no, I don't want Miss Sandra to stand there all by herself. And so there was just that awkwardness about that service. And, and so anyway, a few people stood with her. And then other people were looking at me like, Pastor, you, you're seated and we want to uh, be loyal to you. It, you could just sense and feel the awkwardness there of that service. And anyway, after that song went on and greeted some, the guests, and then we went on, finished the service. That Sunday night uh, after the announcements, I said, okay. I said, we had an interesting service this morning, didn't we? And so I just sort of walked right back through the, the scenario. And so I said, let me tell you why I changed the order of service. And I said, now, after we had our initial congregational, we re, uh, greeted everybody, started in prayer, I had everybody seated, and then the next thing in the schedule was to recognize the guest. And so instead of having our guests stand, I had our members stand, and our guests were seated. And they weren't then feeling as though they were having to stand out and be uncomfortable in an uncomfortable situation. And so I walked through the reason why I had changed the order of service after the service. Miss Sonder, oh, pastor, I am so sorry. Oh, pastor, I'll never do that again. And she wasn't trying to be disrespectful. It wasn't, uh, she loved me and there was always a great spirit. But there was just that spot. She didn't know why. And because she didn't know why, she didn't follow in with, she didn't understand what was going on. And what, we're not talking about something biblical. It wasn't a right, wrong, sin issue. It was just an organizational thing. And the reality is, sometimes the whys that people have cause confusion. And because they're not sure why we do what we do, 
they look back and say, this is ridiculous. Or because they have never seen the purposes behind, they think something something else would be better. But they have not been down that track or down that path long enough to know why we do what we do. And since they don't know why we do what we do, when they make a change, they don't know what is going to happen. There's something about just being able to look at what God has done and what God has blessed and what God has used. New does not mean wrong. But new is not proved. You know what's proved? Old-time religion is proved. It's proved. I mean, when we, when we talk about the greatest generation... We're talking about a group of people that are following as a whole an entire culture, an entire generation of people that, are fo- that followed basically what we follow, the principles that we follow. Why? Because they're biblical principles. You know, everything in the Christian life does not have to be a command. And sometimes we... We need to just sort of back up and say, okay, do I know why I do what I do? Now, the reality is, and as a pastor, I'll have people come, well, I just don't like that. I think it should be done this way or that way. And you know what? That's Everybody can have their opinion. And I'm fine with people having their opinion. But the, re, but the reality is, I know why I do what I do. And I know why I do what I have done for the last 38 years. And I have seen what works. I've seen it in generations of young people. I've seen what has worked in ministries. I have seen what has worked in marriage. I have seen what has worked with teenagers. I have seen what has worked with small children. Uh, And I am not an expert in anything, but... But there is something to say about looking at a track record of what has worked. And unfortunately, there are people that come on the scene and they didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. And so now, they start throwing out all these other ideas that aren't based on Bible. Not that they are unbiblical, but the reasons why we do what we do have got a foundation. And I know chapter, verse, principle, why I do what I do. And with that, then when things come, when storms come, the Bible says that an a, uh, an An unfaithful man is unstable in all his ways. Jacob looked at Reuben and he said, Unstable as water thou art, he says, thou shalt not excel. Unstability, unstable people, changing people, 
that instability does not lead to success. Now, like I said, new things aren't necessarily wrong. And old things aren't necessarily right. But why is it that I do what I do? So, in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at that, uh, and it's going to be entitled, the series is going to be entitled, Why? Why? And I just, my goal is just to answer some questions about what we do, why we do what we do, why do we have a church the way we have our church? Why is our church different than other churches? Why are we why are we different? Why don't we do some things that other churches do? There's a reason. There's a reason. Now, it might not be the best reason. But the reasons that are there are based on not just a whim or a blog post that somebody that's popular put out. They're based on biblical principles. They're based on people that have succeeded in the Christian life. It's based on what God has blessed. And there's a track record there and something that you can validate and quantify. And so that's the title of the message tonight, and it will be for the next few weeks as well. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we open up your word. Just give us insight and wisdom. I pray that you would teach us, please. May our minds be open. Uh, Lord, I know there are a lot of areas that I need to continue to grow in and learn, and there are a lot of wonderful ideas out there uh, to help us reach this world around us, and we pray that you would help us to make those right decisions. Uh, But Lord, I pray that you would help us just to be cautious, uh, that we would make wise decisions, not hasty decisions, and may that be the case in our own personal lives, may that be the case in our ministries and our families, and just help us as we endeavor to grow, for Christ's sake, amen. All right, so uh, several things tonight I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see Christianity is about relationship, not rules and regulations. Christianity is about relationship, not rules and regulations. And if we're not careful, uh, and, and I, I, what is sad is that the rules and regulations have been elevated to such an extent that people feel like that's what the church is about or that's what Christianity is about. And it is not. It is not what it's about. Uh, But let me tell you, if you are wanting to go the wrong direction and the rules and boundaries are there stopping you, then that's what it's about to you. It is about direction. When, When we are facing the wrong way, we are looking at the wrong perspective. Let me get a couple uh, guys, uh, Christy and uh, uh, Reese, if you could come up, or Christy and uh, Ethan, if you could come up real quick. Uh, which one should be good? Uh, Christy, we'll let you, you raised your hand first. We're going to let you be good. Okay, so you're going to be on this side, and Ethan, you get to be bad. All right, so go over on that side, okay? Uh, so I want you to go back in your Bible. Uh, let's look with me here. Let's go back to Exodus. Hold your place there in, in 2, Timoth- or 2 Peter. But go back to Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter 20. 
And when we're in Exodus chapter 20, we are going to find some things that God chose to use uh, to, uh, to rule a world. Uh, when we look at uh, Exodus chapter 20, what we find here is the Ten Commandments. Uh, there are rules and there are regulations. Uh, we see here in Exodus 20, we find the uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, look at verse number 3, Exodus 20 verse 3. And thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, look at verse 4. And thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Skip down to verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh, verse number 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Skip down to verse 12. Uh, honor thy father and thy mother. Uh, verse uh, 13, thou shalt not kill. Uh, 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And verse number 17, the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. Now, in the Bible, we do find that there are rules. There are regulations. If you were to look at the Torah, uh, the, the Hebrew Bible, what you would find is that there are 613 rules. There are 613 regulations that are there. And, and there are, if you look into your Bible, you're going to find a lot of rules. That's a, that is in the Bible. Amen? All right. So with that, these rules, these regulations are there to govern a people. Someone's done the research on it, and they said that there are above 35 million laws in our country, 35 million laws that just attempt to enforce the Ten Commandments. What are they? See, God said, I'm going to give you some rules, I'm going to give you some boundaries that will govern not just a human, it will govern all humanity. It will govern uh, how we interact. In all of us, we need rules, don't we? You know, think about it. Uh, when you were 16 and got your license, you needed those signs on the side of the road, didn't you? Brother Davis is like, no, I didn't need them. Uh, didn't pay attention to them either, did you? Uh, but, uh, you know, we need rules. We, we need laws. God's given them to us for a reason, but that's not what it's about. Christianity isn't about a bunch of thou shalt nots. And unfortunately, what we have found is there are a lot of people that are just caught up with, I can't do anything. They're just trying to keep me from having fun. They're just trying to stop me. Uh, they're putting all these rules, just trying to govern and control my life. Now, I don't know about you, but I needed somebody to govern and control my life. But as I grow as a Christian, what I find is, I don't need a commandment of thou shalt not kill. Because I want to do good. So let's skip down here a couple of verses. Go back there to 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. 1 Peter chapter 3. 
Look with me at verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Now, this is something God is saying. Let me tell you some good in life. There are some things that you're going to want. These are things for those that are wanting the blessing. For he that will love life and see good, let him refrain his tongue from evil. So now here is a, this is a rule. This is a regulation, if you will. This is a restriction. This is a direction that God has given. Uh, Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So what we find here is that there is a battle that goes on from evil to good. There is a battle that, that we all face. And God says, listen, if you will do good, he said, seek peace, ensue it, uh, and do good. What you're finding is you are distancing yourself from evil. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there ever a time that we arrive? So where's the boundary in our standards? Where's the boundary in our convictions? We go to 1 Peter. He said that we are to love the Lord thy God. He said, be holy for I am holy. So here is I am seeking to do good. You know what I find? Keep moving. It keeps moving too. There is always more good to do. There is always, keep going. There's always growth for us to grow. You see, there is a standard that we are to attempt to get to. It is, it is not a line that we draw in the sand. It is not, well, I am just a little bit of distance from the world. It, it's not just, well, I'm not like them. But the problem is, if it's just the distance from the world, when the world gets worse, and if I am just maintaining a distance from the world, I pretty soon, now I am more worldly than the world was a little bit ago. Because the world is going to continue to wax worse and worse. Get off this platform. No, <laughs> just kidding. All right, thank you guys. Uh, so, so here, that keeps on moving that wrong direction. And as we, in, we endeavor to follow and do good and do right, there's always more room for us to grow. For some reason, there's this attempt to say, you've gone too far. When is being holy too holy? Where, where, do we, where do we draw a line and say, well, you know what, I'm good enough? You see, it's not, Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's not about, I'm just trying to, to 
fill all these boxes and I'm doing all of these things and I'm, I'm just trying not to do all these things. The attempt is to try to get close to the Lord. The attempt is to try to, uh, to serve Him, to please Him. And as I am doing that, what I'm going to find is, is I am going to keep on growing in my Christian life. Uh, let me tell you, none of us have arrived. There's still some growing to do. You say, well, pastor, I've been saved for 50 years. Praise the Lord, but you still haven't attained unto the holiness of our God. And we are to continue uh, to follow him. God is an amazing God, and he knows exactly uh, what we are to attempt to do. You see, it's about not just the rules, regulations. It's about a relationship. And because we want to love the Lord, and because we want to serve the Lord, we want to grow closer to the Lord, that is what's going to to draw us to him. Uh, His goodness uh, just draws us to himself. Matthew chapter 22, and I'm going to hasten here. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Uh, this same passage was, was also uh, shown here in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Uh, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all have this same passage. And he answering said, uh, Luke ten twenty seven. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. What do we find here? As a believer, we are to be drawing closer to the Lord. We're to love Him uh, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And in doing so, we're not worried about the commandments. You know, when I, when I finally decided to follow the speed limit, the speed signs ne- don't bother me now. When I was not following the speed limit, I hated those speed signs. It was a reminder that I was breaking the law every time I passed one. And because of my desire to do wrong, I didn't like any reminder of where the boundary was at. But if I'm not planning on speeding, it doesn't bother me. There was a time when I heard a a, when I would hear a siren, that I would look over my shoulder. But when you're following the law, it doesn't bother you. Why? Because when you're doing good, the rules aren't necessary. The rules and regulations are not for the lawful, they are for the lawless. They are there not to keep those that are doing right back. They are there to restrain those that would do wrong. And so here, as we look at our faith, uh, we, are, we are looking at a relationship with the Lord. And our relationship with the Lord is such a blessing. 
I mean, just think about the day that you got saved. At that moment, this relationship, God opened up to you. God is now your heavenly Father. Lord Jesus Christ is God's Son. We are heirs of the Father, joint heirs with the Son, the Bible teaches us. Uh, as, as believers, we are of the household of faith. That makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. That's a blessing. Uh, you look at the, the marriage relationship. The Lord used the marriage relationship in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 to show the love that Christ has for his church. This is a mystery, he said. And, and so he is just going relationship, relationship, relationship. He is showing us how we are connected. It's not about the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts. It's about a relationship. And as we are endeavoring to love the Lord our God, and we recognize that as He is holy, He wants us to be holy. And you know what I find? Is maybe even things that would not classify as sin, I will not do simply, not because somebody has put out a rule or a regulation, but simply, I don't want anything to be between me and my Savior. I don't want there to be anything that he would be displeased with. I don't want anything that he would prefer, though he may not have commanded. I want his preferences to be what I'm looking at. This isn't part of the message tonight, but God, you know, God has preferences. There are things in the scriptures as we look at how God has dealt with certain things. All right? Now, I'm going to hit this, and uh, this is an attack on anybody. But when does God have a preference about how we are interned when we are gone? I believe God does. There's a sanctity that God has placed on the body. The body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. In the scripture, you will never find a believer being burned. Only the heathens were burned. Do you, do you know why Christians choose cremation over burial? Money. Does God have a preference? Yes, I believe he does. Is it a command, thou shalt not be cremated? No. But there are examples of what people in the faith have done that God blessed, and then there are showings of what was wrong with people that were not followers, were not believers, how they dealt with the body. It's completely opposite. So, Pastor, I've already bought my I've already paid for my funeral. Well, change it. You still have time. But God has a preference. There are a lot of things in life that are not just nailed down. But there are ways that we can come to look at what does God prefer? Deb and I have been married 33 years. I think that's right. 
33. And there are things that she desperately despises. She hates to be scared. Hates to be scared. And I have scared her a few times terribly. One time I scared her so bad she dropped to the ground into a fetal position. Can you say this is not good? Wow. I, I know she does not like to be scared. When I walk in the house now, if I come over for lunch, I open the door, hey, hello, hello. Why? Because I don't want to inadvertently scare her. Because I love her. There isn't anything that I would not give up in an effort to please my God. Why? Because I love him. There isn't any enticement that the world has. I wish I could say I'm perfect. I am not. I'm, a, I'm on a journey just like everybody else. But my, I don't need the commands at this point in my life. Why? Because I've matured beyond that point. If we have to have a command for all of the things that are going to guide our life, we are going to be right there alongside the lawbreakers because that's where the line is. And wherever you draw the line, that's where the battle's going to be. So, if I am just trying to do good, you know what we find? In an effort to do good, there are people that are going to get mad at you for trying to do good. Let's look at the scripture here. In 1 Peter, here as we're looking, uh, look with me here at verse number chapter 3, uh, verse number, uh, let's see, verse number 13. It says, and who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? He's saying, who's going to be against you if you're doing good? If you're doing right, who's going to be against that? Uh, but the problem is there are people that are against you doing good. If I choose to give up some things in my life, though it may not be a command, there are people that will attack me and have attacked me over that because it's as if we are being extra biblical. And that's not the case. Look at it here. Uh, verse number, uh, where were we at? Verse number 14. And, but, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, Happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. You know what that's telling me? Don't worry about all the posts that you're going to have. Don't worry about the people that are going to unlike you. Don't worry about those that are, are going to post against. Well, why, why is it, why would I attack somebody that's just trying to do good? The only reason I'm going to attack them for doing good is because maybe I'm not. What is the benefit of trying to stop them from doing good? There is no benefit. There is nothing wholesome about trying to tear somebody else down for doing right. It's only negative. There is no win there. 
So, so when we look at it, Christianity is not about the rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. And so uh, uh, secondly here, uh, and I'm looking at the clock here. We've got just a couple minutes. It's not wrong to ask why. It's not wrong to ask why. If you don't know why we do what we do, ask. You know what? It's amazing how many people that have questions, they'll ask somebody that's against who what we, what we are, they won't ask me. Why is it that we're going to go out to the scoffer and ask them instead of asking the one that God has given to you as a pastor? Why seek, why seek another pastor when you already have a pastor? It's dangerous. There are different administrations the Bible talks about. And, and with that, a flock does not have multiple shepherds. It's got one. You get multiple shepherds involved, you know what happens? You have confusion. God is not the author of confusion. The devil is the author of confusion. He is the one that wants to destroy. It's not, it's not wrong to ask why. Uh, you can't ask why with the wrong motive, though. There are times where someone will say, well, why do we got to do that? Well, I don't know how many times as a teenager I got in trouble, and even as a child growing up, my mom would let me have it. And it wasn't, she would always say, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. You see, there are ways that, it's not wrong to ask why, but you can ask why with the wrong attitude and you can ask why with the wrong motive. You know, it's refreshing when somebody asks why when they truly want to know why. You know, with your children, you, they ask why. A lot of times, they don't have the understanding. They might not understand why you do what you do. But the reality is, we want them to ask why. And we want to give them the answers so they know why. This is a process of growth. This is a process to help them be independent. We want them to be able to live on their own. We kick them out. We want them to be able to live on their own. We want them to be able to stand for their faith. We want them to be able, as Peter has put it, to be able to give an answer of the hope that is in them. We want them to have that. It's not wrong to ask why. We have to be careful on how we ask it. We may have to be cautious on when we ask it. Not every time is the right opportunity or the right timing. But we do need to ask why. When we, are, when we don't know the answers, ask why. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we ask with an attitude, I've heard people say that it's wrong to ask God why. And I think there is a way that you can talk to God and ask Him why when your heart is truly open. Lord, 
Why? Help me to understand. There are things in this life that we don't understand. When I was praying with Brother Kyle yesterday, just hours after his mom died, there's no, there's no way to give answers of what is going on and why that is there. But God has the ability to communicate his love, his care. We don't, but it's different when we ask why to question God as though God has made a mistake because God makes no mistakes. Take your Bibles real quickly, go with me. And I am looking at the clock. I won't hold you long. Uh, we can ask wrong. Romans chapter number nine. Look with me at verse number 13. Romans 9, 13. Here we have in Romans 9, 10, 11, it's dealing with the nation of Israel. It's dealing with nations. This is not talking individually. When it's talking about Jacob and talking about Esau, it is talking about the Jews and it's talking about the Gentiles. It's talking about uh, the nation of Israel and it's talking about the nation of Edom, uh, the Edomites here. Uh, so here in verse number 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on him whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, or of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth yet he find fault? Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath he resisted? Uh, for who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another? to dishonor. Uh, here, what do we find here? We have man questioning God as though God owes us an answer. God doesn't owe us anything. And when we have questions, we can question and ask God for direction. It's not that we are questioning God as though God has made a mistake or as that God owes us something, because that's definitely not the case. But it's not wrong uh, to ask questions. It's how we, uh, it's how we learn. And so uh, we want to ask questions. We want to be able to give an answer. First uh, Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear ready to give an answer. Of what? The questions. So, if we are to be ready to give an answer, then it's not wrong to ask a question. So, questions are not wrong in themselves. But we, as we mature as a believer, we need to know why. That's why it's so important for us to get into our Bible 
Not just, well, that's what my pastor believes. Well, if it's just about what the pastor believes, you can't give an answer. And if you can't give an answer, then the question comes and you don't have an answer. Now you are questioning as well. So what just happened to your faith? Was it strengthened or was it weakened? It's weakened because we did not grow in our faith enough to give an answer. It's our responsibility to know what we believe, why we believe it. And so we're just going to be asking, uh, answering some questions, uh, and I'm not going to go any farther in the message tonight. But as we look at why, what's our motive? If our motives are just to get closer to the Lord, then the rules, regulations, that's not on the table. What's before us is I want to get closer to my Savior. I want to love my God more. I want that relationship not to be something that I just hope it might be, but that it would be one that I would experience, that I would enjoy, that I would be able to have that closeness myself. And that's what we all seek. So how do we get there? We ask questions. So hopefully in the next few weeks, not only will we present the questions, we'll start presenting some answers as well. Father, I pray that you'd help all of us. Thank you for uh, your word, the, uh, the direction you give to us in it. And I pray that you'd help our faith just to grow, help us to uh, know you better. And Lord, may as we face different questions, and none of us have all the answers, and many times it's the questions that, that cause me to get back into the Bible and to study and, and to get the answers, and, and I pray that you'd help all of us to have that type of a desire so we would know uh, what we believe, why we believe, so we can give answers to those that are around us, so we can help strengthen uh, the faith of others. And so I pray that you'd bless, speak to hearts, you know the needs of each person, for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's have- Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.